Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament, and uh, this has been an ongoing study. Um, I'm, this is part 199. Next time we get together, we'll hit two, the 200th study in, in this part of the deal. That's pretty good, right? 200. Uh, and uh, pressing on. We're, um, we're working through the New Testament right now. Then we'll work through the Old Testament. We still probably have another year and a half to get through the New Testament because there's some big books between here and the end. Um, um, and what we've done so far is the Gospels, and then we did Acts, and then coming out of Acts, we decided we'd do Paul's letters, because we'd just, read, uh, just been reading about all the missionary journeys, and we've talked about the importance of holding everything in context, and that, that reading the Scripture this way and talking about it a chapter at a time helps us to keep it in context. Um, and, and so... Um, uh, you know, that, that Paul was writing back to churches that he'd helped start most of the time, that these churches were having issues that he was addressing in his letters because he'd been made aware of problems. And, um, and so we, we have to look at the scriptures with that in mind, um, but also with the understanding that they were written under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so these things still apply uh, into life today because a lot of the issues are still the same but it's uh, it's just taking them and holding them in context making sure we're not trying to make the scripture say something it's not saying so we've been digging through all these chapters we're kind of coming to the end of Paul's um, letters and uh, Titus will pretty much do it for us um, so there's chapter 2 today chapter 3 next week then we're going to jump into the book of Hebrews which may have been written by Paul but may not have been and so there's no, uh, there's no absolute certainty on who wrote the book of Hebrews. It, it was either Paul, they think, or Apollos, but they're not sure. And they go back and forth, or maybe it was somebody we don't even know, but uh, a lot of it sounds like Paul, um, but we're not sure. Anyway, we we'll, we'll, we'll definitely know that, that he wrote Titus. Um, it's not the last letter he wrote. We, we already looked at that one when we looked at 2 Timothy, just because I took the two Timothys together. But um, he's writing to Titus. These three letters, first, second, first and Second Timothy and Titus, are sort of uh, all instructional letters written at the very end of um, Paul's ministry in life. And he's talking to his sort of uh, the young guys that he's been working with. And uh, he's just telling them to stay true and stay strong and keep pressing in and keep pressing on. And, and they're, they're just letters of an encouragement and instruction. These are the things he says, I need you to teach. And, uh, you know, just keep, let's keep the church moving forward with what we know and understand. And so they're, they're, they're filled with encouragement, these letters. Uh, and um, just Paul's, you know, the things that he felt were so important that he wanted to make sure had taken root in people, ideas that he'd given them about the kingdom and about the ministry of Jesus and what it looked like, that he wanted to make sure they had um, deep within them so they would continue on throughout the church. And uh, so in Titus chapter 2 now, um, uh, Paul opens with an emphasis on sound doctrine or sound teaching. And, and a sound teaching combines biblical truth, understanding of that truth, and a, and a living out of that truth. Um, we, we always talk about living that way as, as living by trying to do the next right thing. But, uh, but so, so sound teaching then needs to be grounded in Scripture. It needs to keep Jesus and, and the message of the kingdom as the central theme of what's going on. And, and it should result in a life that's, that's pleasing God, that pleases God, and fulfills his purposes. That's what it's all about. So ultimately, Paul is exhorting and encouraging Titus and all of us 
um, to read and study the Bible and apply it to our lives. So we're not only to be hearers of the word, we're to be doers of the word, and that's where those things all meet. And that's a, a big part of what Titus chapter 2 is about, about living this stuff out, being people of integrity, and, and uh, walking out the, the Bible in our own lives and what that looks like. So let's dig in, 15 verses uh, in uh, Titus chapter 2, and I will read them to you. I'm reading out of the NIV. Uh, You can follow along in your own translations, or they're on the sheets for you. Um, But here we go, Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will align the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority Do not let anyone despise you. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So again, um, we have some interesting passages, particularly, you know, in light of our culture today. There's a lot of things in there that that don't sort of resonate true or or don't seem to fit with what, you know, we would believe. And yet, again, it's, it's holding things in context, remembering why they were written and how they were written and then uh, digging into it to find out the, the way that it, it continues to apply to us today. So, so let's tackle some of these things and uh, we'll go from there. And again, you know, we've talked about a lot of these issues that are raised uh, in, in our studies so far. Um, remember that, um, you know, Paul, uh, every once in a while when you read Paul, it kind of sounds like he's, he's um, some people think that Paul is being um, unfair to women in, in, the, in, in the roles that he puts them in, and he's not at all. Paul, you know, was um, a great um, champion, believe it uh, or not, depending on what you read of women's uh, place in the church. He included them in his ministry in positions of, of authority um, and, and teaching and, um, and encourages them uh, throughout. And in, in many of the letters we read, um, you know, the, the importance of their... Uh, the things that they were doing in the body of Christ 
And so, um, you know, don't read it as, as Paul was being, you know, heavy-handed against. He certainly wasn't. He, he you know, he, he encourages us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, he talks about the differences, but there are differences, but one is not above the other and, uh, in Christ. We're all equal in Christ. And, and he was, you know, he was made that abundantly clear throughout his teachings when you hold the whole thing in context. So... Let's dig into the first five verses. Um, it's very good for a church to be filled with people of all age groups. That's a very, very healthy thing in a church. Um, and and um, we're very blessed that we have a great representation of, of age groups in our body uh, here. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, I love walking through the church. I love seeing the babies. Um, I love the fact that right now the, the cry room that we have, the nursing mother's room, is sometimes not big enough because it's filled with, with women with babies. Um, that's, that's exciting to me. Um, I walk through the children's rooms, you know, when I can and look and see, poke, poke my head in, and they're filled with kids on, on the weekdays. And then there's, you know, there's uh, uh, other groups here represented very well too, people that, you know, grandparents, of which I am one now. And... Uh, um, and, and great-grandparents, and everything else. And it's a wonderful situation in the church when we have a, a wide variety of age groups. It's really um, hard on churches when, when they, they get to a, a place where they, they don't have much difference because they, they tend to not get, stay very healthy because we learn from each other. And, and we need the variety. We need the differences in, in order to grow. We need the, the tension that it creates. Uh, in order to sharpen each other and to stay sharp. Um, we, we need to understand the dynamic of all ages so that we, we can um, allow the fruit of the Spirit to develop in us, to learn, you know, patience and to learn um, all, all the things that go along with it, gentleness and, and everything else. We need each other in the process for those things to be developed. And so we're, we're very blessed here in our group that we have a, a, a great, even if you just look around right now, there's a, there's a wide spectrum of everybody from from um, the more mature, isn't that nice? I said that good, right? To, to the younger, and, uh, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and everything in between. So, um, and what Paul is telling Titus is, look, each, each group, each part is important to the other parts. Um, the more mature should pass on wisdom and values to some of the younger people. The younger ones can, um, you know, they help provide a measure of energy and enthusiasm and, and uh, keep things moving in the process. And, and so we're to respect each other and, and encourage each other and be willing to learn from one another, to, in, to instruct one another, to pray for each other. Um, I'm still learning things all the time. And, and uh, I, I learn, you know, in my study in the Word, but I learn from people that have more experience than me. And I learn from people that, that are younger than me because they've learned stuff. I haven't learned and it's all good stuff and so these are important things in in the dynamic in the body of Christ and Paul's just encouraging Titus look let them let them all teach from what they know and encourage each other and uh, it's important that we do that there's 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 wisdom you know sometimes it's good to to learn from someone who's more experienced than you so that you don't have to learn from making the same mistakes they made oftentimes that's what more mature people pass on to us is that they've learned from from not doing some, you know, from their, they've learned from their mistakes and they're passing it on so we don't have to. So I think that's a very helpful thing. I, I you know, I know with, uh, with my own, um, my, my, my children, uh, I've tried to um, share things with them that, that I would rather they didn't do because I know from experience that they don't go well if you do those things. And hopefully they'll learn from that. And they seem to. 
that's a wonderful thing. Some things we learn from because we think we've got it figured out when we don't. I still learn that way too sometimes. I think I have something figured out that I really don't have figured out and have to go through it the hard way. But, uh, but we need people like that in our lives. I, I know my own life, even in, in, uh, in pastoring a church. I, I'm, I have great relationships. I have, a, I have one um, relationship with a, a man who's very wise, who's, who's um, 20 years ahead of me in the ministry. And, and uh, I pick his brain all the time, uh, all the time, once a month. We get, I call him on the phone. And I've been doing that for 15, 20 years. And, and uh, um, he's, he's exactly 20 years further on in the race than me. And I get to ask him stuff all the time, you know, because he can look back and he can encourage me. And, you know, so you, you need people ahead of you that can kind of help you along the path. You need, you need people in your peer group who, who sort of um, uh, can help you with, you know, the things that you're dealing with. You need, hopefully, people that are following behind you so you can encourage them along. Because, you know, one of the things that happens is as we teach others what we've learned, we, we grow in it ourselves. It's part of the process. We, we, as we encourage and teach and help each other and instruct each other, it, it benefits us too. We, we learn from it. And so this is to be the dynamic of the church. It's how it's existed all these years and it continues uh, in that same sort of process. We, we teach one another. We encourage one another. We help one another. We pray for one another. And, uh, and so the, the context of community is extremely important in the church. Paul also talks uh, in those verses about the importance of self-control. And... Um, and so we need to remember, uh, like I was just saying, that we live in the context of community in the church and that um, we are tasked with the mission of reaching out to the community that surrounds us, trying to encourage them to come into the community that, that follows uh, Jesus. And so we have to live with the realization that it's not all about us, which is extremely counterculture. And... Uh, you know, I always say that. It's not all about us. It's some about us, and that's good news. Don't ever forget that part. And what Jesus did at the cross, it's some about us. There's no doubt that it's some about us. It's just not all about us, and that's the, the place where we have to make sure we understand that. It's just not all about us. There's a greater purpose. There's, there's bigger things happening than just us and, and the moment. Um, you know, this is an eternal thing, and uh, there's, there's a big, it's a big deal. Um, and and the, the, the mission that we have is a huge deal. You know, we're, we, we, we are tasked with... Um, telling people about the hope that they can have in Christ. And it's the only hope. And it's on us. That's, that's the plan. There's no backup plan. That's the plan. Sometimes I often think, there's really no backup plan, just us? And, and God's like, yeah, just you. Just you guys. That's the plan. Okay. You, maybe you've heard me say sometimes, you think, would, angels probably be better at this. But, but people freak out when they see angels. And uh, every time in Scripture you see it, you, they're scraping themselves off the ground and the angel's going, don't be afraid. <laughs> because I guess when an angel appears, you're afraid and you hit the dirt. Because uh, every time, every time in the book, you read the book, you'll see an angel going, all right, fine, get up. <laughs> don't be afraid. Anyway. So, they apparently are, we're, we're better at it because people maybe aren't necessarily afraid of us right off the bat. So it's on us. And, and, uh, and remember, you know, we're, we're adjectives in his story. He's the noun, we're the adjectives. And we live it that way in the process. So, so all of that is, is important in our understanding of, of what this looks like as we move forward together. Then in verses 7 and 8, um, Paul talks about the importance of being a good example. And this is a, this is a big deal. Uh, and again, 
Um, you know, it's not just the, the words that we have. We'll talk about that in, in a moment. Um, it's, it's how we live. And, and that idea is integrity. Paul talks about being a people of integrity. And so, you know, to me, integrity is when then what you say you believe and, and how you attempt to live that out are lining up. Obviously, you're not going to do it perfectly um, because we still struggle. But, but the idea is that we don't say one thing and then live something completely different. We, we are trying to live out what we say. And that's what integrity is all about. Uh, and, and that integrity is important um, in, in the kingdom of God. Um, people need to know that you mean what you say. And we live in a, in a culture nowadays where, where there's not always a great deal of integrity. People will say whatever they need to say if it's expedient to them to say it. If it will, if it will fix a momentary situation, people will say whatever they got to say. And that's sort of accepted in our culture, which is sad, because then nobody trusts anybody. Because the people can't be taken at their word. And, and we're not to be like that. We're, we're to be people who, if, if we say it, we, we will do what we can to make it happen. Because we said it. Um, or, we, or we go and say, we, you know, we make it right. Whatever, it, whatever that looks like. But you, you have to be careful with those things. And so, you know, in our, uh, very important in our culture that we, we do our best with that. Be careful of, of what you say. Now, I, I'm sure I've told you this before, but with my kids growing up, um, they, they would always push me to say, I promise. Because if they got me to say, okay, I promise you, they, they, they would bank that. They would stop. But I was careful. I didn't just say it at the drop of a hat either because I knew if I said it, it was in. You know, that was, that was it. Look, that's my word. Then it's going to happen. If, you know, and, unless, you know, you know, Jesus came back or something, you know, and, or yeah, it was going to, we would make it happen somehow. And so... Um, so they, they, they knew that. And it, was, it would be funny to listen to the thing, to get them to say, I promise. Well, no, I'm not, you know, because somebody said, well, I'm not going to promise you, but if we can make it happen, we'll make it happen. That wasn't as good as, okay, I promise. Then they were like, yes. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and then if we can was better than no, but they heard no sometimes too, because sometimes it's no, right? That's, that's life. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's we'll see, and other times it's, okay, yes. But if it's yes, then, then do everything you can to make it yes. And, and that's, um, uh, different than a lot of times what happens in our culture. So, um, so you know, say one thing and, and then live that way. And we certainly also don't want to be hypocrites. That's the other extreme where we, we say one thing and, we, and, then, and then we don't, you know, we, we totally don't live that out um, in, our, in our lives. And, and that's not good. Hypocrites just is another word for actors. Uh, and we got to be careful not to to try and act this thing either. We do it. And where we struggle, we have to be honest about it. And we keep pressing in to Jesus to have him help us. Verses 9 and 10, those are interesting verses too because um, Paul talks again about the relationship between slaves and masters here in Titus. And um, I think a lot of times when we read those verses, we're shocked um, because of our, our um, current understanding of slavery and... and uh, and certainly our, our current understanding of, is that it's horrific, um, it's horrible, it, it's, it's the entrapment and enslavement of a people by another group of people, it's demeaning, it's demonic, um, it unfortunately still exists in, in various ways all over the world today. Um, it, you know, the glowing example today would be you know, the, the sex trade and people that are locked into it in, in slavery and in bondage. Um, because there's a, a perverse 
twisted um, society around the world that, that, that makes that happen because they, they feed into it and, and uh, that, that are willing to exploit people. Um, and so, you know, the, the concept of slavery should offend us in every level because um, it's horrific. It's, it's demonic. It's, it's, a, it's a scourge on the, on the planet to this day. Um, at Paul's writing this, though, it was different um, in, in most cases. Not in all cases. It was, it was bad cases there. But in most cases, um, at, at you know, the time of the writing of Paul, in the world as we know it, um, slavery was often um, a way of repaying a debt. And people in debt would actually sell themselves into slavery for a fixed time uh, and, and in order to repay that debt. And, and once the debt was repaid, they would be freed again from the process. Um, and, and so, uh, it, it, um, uh, it, of course, there were abuses, but, but you know, slaves, they were given food and shelter. It was, it was much more of an exchange of... of uh, um, almost like uh, it's more applicable today between what Paul's talking about is a, a relationship between boss and employers. There's, there's a service that's rendered and payment is given. Um, at the time, it was, it was uh, shelter and, and clothing and, and food and everything that they needed to, to survive, and then they provided uh, a service um, in, in the cases Paul's talking about. And he's saying, look, as believers, then the relationships need to change. And if, and if, if a... a believer was in slavery, he needed to treat the people who were over him well, and vice versa. And that was a big deal that it would impact the relationships in that way. And, you know, today, you know, um, some people say, I feel like a slave at work or whatever, but, but you know, we're to, we're to work hard for our employers, and if you're an employer, you're to treat your people fairly. That's the idea uh, that happens there. So, again, when you read about slavery, and you see, well, Paul, why isn't Paul condemning it? It's a little different. It's a lot different. Than, uh, than what we have basically taking place today. Um, verses 11 through 15, heading towards the end. Uh, verse 11, very important. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Jesus has come. Uh, and uh, this is a significant, obvious thing that the, the grace of God that brings salvation is good news. And it's good news that God wants everyone to hear. And not just to hear, but he also wants them to put it into practice so that it can change lives. And, and um, so we're to live for God. Paul says in this present age, and this present age is evil by all accounts. Um, but, but we're to live for God in this age while we expectantly wait for his return um, when everything will be restored. Uh, and and uh, we're talking about this on Sunday nights now in the Kingdom of God series. Um, you know, Jesus has come, so the kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. It'll be consummated when he comes back. We live in a tension, um, but, but his power is here. And, and so we can choose now to live in and for him, um, even though the, the world is still a mess and broken um, because of the impact and results of sin until he comes back. But we're to make use of this time. We're to redeem this time by telling others about the fact that there's a way to have life. And, and that's the good news that we have in Jesus. We're to, we're to share with others the gospel of Jesus and, and the good news of, of what he's done and the life that people can have in the process. And so, you know, we, we share that by, by telling people we found in Jesus and what he's done for us. And so that's kind of the dynamic of, of, of Titus chapter 2, and those are the things that are happening uh, in, a, in a sort of summary version 
that whole process, but that's enough for today. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you for spending your time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate it very much. If you need anything, go to our website at keysvineyard.com. If you need prayer, just go to the prayer page and shoot us a prayer, and we'll be happy to pray for you. You can call us, and we'll be praying for you as well. We hope to see you again here soon.